This week's episode of Merge Conflict is brought to you by SyncFusion. SyncFusion makes the absolute best controls and components on the market, designed for each and every single platform and built for the best possible performance. If you need charts, graphs, pickers, list views, you name it, they make it for everything that you're building. iOS, Android, Xamarin, web, you name it, there's a great Nougat package that you can pull in and start building absolutely for free with their community license. To learn more about SyncFusion and their awesome controls, go to syncfusion.com slash mergeconflict. That's syncfusion.com slash mergeconflict. Frank, I just got back from a awesome trip, actually, to Latin America. Oh my god, you're back. I was wondering where you're recording from. Just so everyone knows, I never know where James is. He, he's always in some random part of the world. So you're it back. It is a though. mystery. Yes, awesome. it is a mystery, but I'm home. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I went on a tour for two weeks with Donovan Brown, as you may know, um, from he's a cloud developer advocate. He leads a team for DevOps. He's, he's famous. Rubbing he, he's DevOps everywhere. on things. He's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. More than more than me, almost everywhere Donovan is. He's a great guy. And we decided to do a mobile and mobile DevOps tour. And what's really interesting is uh, uh -oh. we, me and you, have used <laughs> plenty of different continuous integration services. I see and, where this is going. <laughs> yep. We're getting ourselves into some DevOps troubles. And Donovan told this really great story of DevOps. And I've given stories of DevOps because DevOps okay. is more than just automation, even though I like to belittle it to that sometimes. DevOps is kind of this, he calls it a union of people, process, and products to to, to deliver value, right? And it was it was interesting being around Donovan so much that I kind of saw his flow and saw what he was talking about finally, because he was all about like, hey, we have this source code. Your app is maybe more than just an app. You're delivering a database, a website, an app. You're deloying you're de you're delivering a solution, not just an app. <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes think, not always. Uh, well, I think even uh, you're, you're making me think about my own practices and every app I release, I always put a website up too. like even mm -hmm. if it's just a static website, just displaying some kind of promotional stuff. So it's true. Like even even though I try to stay in mobile world only, I'm still putting out websites constantly, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then. If you think about the other things that you're supposed to do, I'm putting these in supposed to quotes, you should obviously have some sort of testing, maybe unit testing, maybe UI testing. If you're a big consumer website, maybe, I don't know, performance testing or whatever, and kind of think of, well, we build our packages, our artifacts, we deliver them, they go through development, QA, release into the app store. These are a lot of steps that maybe a DevOps for a solo developer that we talked about earlier, <laughs> maybe is not the yeah. actual solution, but you know, I use Bitrise for a lot of my projects. I've used Mobile Center now for a lot of my projects that yeah. are just apps. And I gave myself a challenge. I said, I'm going to take the Xamarin Live Player. And people don't know that this is a very um, complex application. We have, what, five, four solutions. Um, <laughs> eight million dependencies. Yeah. And each of those has eight million dependencies. And they're all very specifically version tracked to different commits. And restoring mm -hmm. NuGets doesn't even work half the time. <laughs> There's yeah. sub-modules, there's <laughs> F-sharp scripts that we have to run. Oh, yeah, there's... half of it's an F-sharp. That helps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. There's there's the idea that we have a development QA build. We have a public build, which turns on and off certain features of the application. Um, and 
I do have UI tests actually. I don't know if you know, but I actually have I like do. a series. I do, yeah, um, which is cool. No unit tests, but you know, <laughs> UI tests. <laughs> I, so. I'm still trying to get better. We we talked about that before on the podcast. I and I am at least getting to the step where I get the uh, app loaded and take a screenshot UI tests for my oh, apps. That's great. And yeah, it's like that first step. At least I'm getting there, right? Yeah. So, but it's still manual. I don't have any of that in CI or anything like that. Yeah. So I figured today maybe we could break down what DevOps is yet again, because I tweeted a photo (laughs) of our release pipeline that I set up. I gave myself a challenge of moving everything away from our other um, products that we were using previously and putting everything into Visual Studio Team Services, which is Hmm. okay, which is which is like everything you can pick and choose. (laughs) So all of our source code is still in GitHub, but um, we're using it for continuous integration of builds and we're using it for the release management and work work item tracking soon, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> and I wanted to do this, and I'll tell you the problem first. The problem that I had was two, two problems, Frank. One is I really like the simplicity of solutions such as Mobile Center or Bitrise because I can point it at a solution and it just starts building stuff, like literally within minutes. Mm. Yeah, that's the, that's the scaffolding. I tend to think of that as a parlor trick because mm-hmm. um, every app that I've ever tried to automate the build process of or automate anything of has had very distinct build steps involved and conditions mm-hmm. that need to be set, environments that need to be created, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I found I just end up having to change things so often. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit much. And like BitRise has the idea of different tasks. So you can execute, say, Mm -hmm. give me the source code, replace this thing, do this thing, and then build it. And by default, it won't do that. You have to add those steps manually. So I've done that. And there's different workflows. So like, okay, when we we check into feature, do this thing. Or when I go into master, do a pull request, do this thing. So the first thing that happened, Frank, is that... um, we're in the middle of update season or at the end of it at this, <laughs> at this I would say. Oh, that's and good to hear. <laughs> up, yeah, hopefully. I don't know. As you know, from season, outside, from the outside, update season's awesome. You're getting new stuff. From the inside, it's terribly hectic and terrible. <laughs> it's bad. And when you don't yeah. control your stack, then issues occur. So <laughs> Xcode is updating, Xamarin's updating, yep. iOS is updating, Android's updating, everything is updating, Bitrise is updating, Mobile <laughs> Center's updating, and Xamarin broke <sighs> something with F Sharp, something, or we did, I don't know Ooh. what happened. I'm not going to get yeah. into it. Not pointing yeah. fingers, F Sharp team, but... But I will point out that um, you're saying change in a very negative way here. But I do think, um, yeah, it's but we have to deal with this all year. So it's not Mm -hmm. just update season. I think you always the whole reason we want automated systems is so that we can actually deal with change. Ironically enough, like you can't just build an automation system that works at one version. It's got to adapt over time or else it's not earning its uh, earning its pay. Otherwise, you might as well go back to manual. Yeah, correct. So change change is good, but yeah, it's a pain to deal with. I would say change is good as long as you control the change. And that's my problem (laughs) is that everything updated because it's that it's like Windows update, right? It's like you get a Windows update. (laughs) Now I can't load Outlook anymore. You know, you're in the future now where nothing works. It's it's, uh, It's, dystopia. They didn't tell you that. (laughs) Exactly. So that was the first thing that that happened. And I and then the second thing that always happened was I, I wrote these really complex um, workloads to how to build the solutions. And I was actually 
doing different things and having to manually release things. And it was a little bit brittle. It was more brittle than I thought it, that I wanted mm-hmm. it to be. So I said, okay, I want to, now that I've been on the road with Donovan and seen his proposition of delivering a solution, even though we're only delivering an app, but we're now actually delivering three applications in different forms that we can't really talk about at this point in time until we actually release updates to the product. But let's just say we're, we're building multiple apps that do multiple things. Okay. And That's mysterious. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit serious. And then I also wanted an idea of right now, how I had it was I had to go manually kick off. Here's an app store build. And I wanted a way of saying, oh, no, no, QA tested build 50. And that is the build I want to ship to the app store. That's really what I wanted. So mm-hmm. I put into practice an amazing, I, I gave myself a weekend challenge. And I said, I'm going to move everything into Visual Studio Team Services with uh-huh. the bonus that I am going to build everything on my own Mac that's sitting over here. I have a MacBook Pro that I <laughs> oh, don't <no>. ever use. <laughs> it is my build machine, and I'm going to install the version of Xamarin that I know that it builds on from a month ago, and then I'll try to fix it later. You know, and, and I want to get stuff building again. And I totally did it, and I'm like blown away by how much I love. I love my build. Oh my god! I love my 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 pipeline. I love everything, and I'll tell you why, Frank. Wait. Because oh my god. <laughs> Because so much to discuss. (laughs) Yes, because Greg, our good friend, Greg Munn, he was like, I need this thing. I need you to upload the files over here. And you're like, I need the simulator build. And I was like, boom, (laughs) I got it. I'm inserting steps. I'm like, this is great. Installing it. Bingo, bango. And I'm doing multiple things at the same time. I'm like in love. Right. And a lot of this was powered because it's running on a Mac. So any of the things that I was doing in BitRise that were just shell scripts, I just grabbed those shell scripts and I put them right into the source code and I could run all the same things and all the bumping that I needed. And it was a thing of beauty. I'm in love 100% with my workload. Okay, let's rewind for a minute here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what we're really doing is um, CI version 2.0. We've learned a lot from BitRise, but you're not happy. And so we're making a version two in some old but new product, right? They're constantly changing um, team services, right? It's uh, are, Is there like a new version out that's being promoted or anything like that? Well, so I would say that we, I tried to reimagine our CI and CD pipeline. And so... <laughs> okay. I call because that, that was, yeah. We didn't have a CD. We didn't really have continuous. It was fake. It was, uh, in my mind, it was working, it right? Was it close. was close. Like, I thought it did an okay job. No. There was Not no, good. there was no release management because BitRise doesn't have release management. <laughs> right. So that's the problem. Okay. Um, so that's like a big feature. Uh, so this is when, um, we're building, building, building. That's easy. We can automate those steps. But then release management, is that a manual step where I can say, take this build and release it to this location? Is that what it is? So one of two things. So release management, I think of it as, think of it as gates. So I have a dev gate, a QA gate, and a production gate. So as soon as the build finishes, it says automatically go do this first thing. Okay. Which the first thing is to run a bunch of UI tests and distribute to hockey app our application or to mobile center distribution Mm -hmm. for for every every single build, just do that. And then if we sign off on that and I want to give it to more internal Microsoft employees, then I say, I I have to approve it. And I say, approve this build, then go and do it, right? And then once Mm -hmm. it's ready to go to the app store, I say, approved, right? I check a checkbox and I say, good to go. (laughs) And then it just does it, right? So it's mostly automatic, but with gates, Yep. So these gates can be manual or like QA tests or mm-hmm. who who knows, whatever else. Right. Oh, totally, sure yeah. they, it's super, 
over-engineered, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Now, I mean, now, I have lots of flexibility is what I meant. Yeah. And, your, and your question is Visual Studio Team Services. The cool thing with VSTS, as we call it, is people may be used to, used to TFS, which is Team Foundation Server. Right. That's what I was getting confused by my head. <laughs> I was bouncing between the two names. So help me out here. Decode these so, names. So TFS and VSTS are the same product. Roger. Okay. Difference, though, is that TFS, you install and manage yourself on your own machines. Aha. Uh-huh. Visual Studio Team Services is hosted by Microsoft in Azure or whatever. So it's cloud-hosted okay. solution. The mm-hmm. difference, though, compared to you're saying, well, BitRise is hosted too, right? That's all there. The cool thing with Visual Studio Team Services is that you can use hosted PC and Linux machines, or you can turn any on-prem machine that you have into a build agent, as they call it. So whenever you do a continuous integration or release or performance test that spins up the agent that you install on your machine. So I install the agent on my Mac and I say, hey, Visual Studio Team Services, I want you to build all my iOS and Android apps on this Mac that's sitting here. Now, when we previously talked about this topic, I remember specifically saying that I hated that. (laughs) So (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is how I used to do CICD, my version one of everything. Uh, I ran it on my own machines, but I found Mm -hmm. that maintaining those machines was just not my favorite hobby on the planet and they kept falling behind and things like that mm-hmm. so i'm I'm curious that you've decided to go that route so i want to pick your brain about maintenance and how you think it's going to go in the future but first i just want to ask uh do they also offer cloud workers so you don't have to run it on your own machines correct so there's hosted machines that mm-hmm. you can run and the cool thing with hosted machines, well, right now it's only PC and Linux machines, so there are no Macs. Aha, that's mm-hmm. the crux of it here. Okay, so you're ha- you have to run it yourself if you want to run on a Mac. You could use Mac in cloud or Mac Stadium and then install the agent there, but that seems like more mm-hmm. work because I have a Mac sitting here, right? And then I control it. Either way, um, you're managing a machine, so it doesn't matter at that point whether yeah. it's on your network or someone else's. Now, one thing, Frank, I will say is this thing is really, so the difference here too is VSTS updates every three weeks with like fixes and features and then TFS is every three months. But the cool Mm -hmm. thing is that they've really advanced a lot. Because I think when we talked about this almost a year ago or so, I had tried to use VSTS. I wasn't, I mean, I was impressed, but I wasn't like, this not easy enough for me. Like (laughs) I got this whole thing set up in my spare time on a weekend, right? I was really impressed with myself, um, tooting my own horn. But they have this thing, idea of called phases. Now, let me tell you this. When you think of continuous integration, um, like building your application, you think of just one series of tasks that get executed. Okay. Mm, well, depending, but yeah, conditional. Yeah, usually you're like, some I'm things go- are conditional though. Like if I, if it's a dev branch, I expect some things to happen versus oh, master sure. branch. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, so it, whenever, whichever build thing gets kicked off, you can say, I'm going to go do X, Y, Z, and then that's done. Okay. So here's the cool thing now is that they have the idea of these phases And a phase is like a logical grouping of tasks. So for instance, let me expand on this and blow your mind. Mm -hmm. So we have three tasks, okay? Task or phase, I mean, we have three phases. Mm -hmm. Phase one is to build my UI tests. Just build my UI tests, that's it. Phase two is to build our dev apps, like our developer QA apps. And then- Phase three is to then build our app store apps or whatever, right? Now, here's the cool okay. thing is that those each phase can be built on a different agent. So that means if you can do some stuff on Windows, you can go 
do that stuff on a Windows machine and then do only uh-huh. your iOS stuff over <laughs> here. Okay. Yeah, this is actually a thing that I've run into with my own libraries because I write cross-platform libraries. I have been in a weird, tricky circumstance where I really need something actually compiled on a Windows machine. Yeah. Right, where like just, yeah, because I'm actually doing something native or something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. And so I run into this dilemma because all my build systems are Linux and Mac based mm-hmm. and I just don't have any Windows parts. So coordinating all that, it becomes this... A horrible manual process so i run i run most of it on the mac i run a little bit on windows i copy a file over run the rest on the mac yep and it's terrible <laughs> so, so the, I, I like what you're saying uh-huh. sir <laughs> and, and then the phase is you upload your artifacts or your dll's your apks or whatever ipa mm-hmm. files to a common area between all of the phases. Yeah. So then that is what goes into release management. So you can have something running on Linux, running on, on Windows, something on Mac, and then they all come together at the end. I like that. That's a good feature. Mm-hmm. You, you have me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, might be might be worth something there. <laughs> so when I think about so so now we we fall back, right? I want to talk about the good and the bad because I tweeted out our production pipeline and people are like immediately. I want to know how real companies, real apps do this. And I'm like, I want to know too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, because there's a lot you're of... Not, you haven't found a lot of good articles on complex scenarios. Is that what you're saying? They're all kind of like getting started with simple apps. Well, that's the thing is once I saw Donovan do it, which I thought was interesting. So he has this people mm-hmm. tracker application and all it is is just like enter your first name, last name, and it's a demo app. But yeah. he has a website, which has a, um, it's an ASP.NET website that's running in a Docker container that has a database behind it. And then it has a mobile app where it's calling the web API. And then, you know, he's updating all these things. And what was cool is that he literally had three different pieces, one running on, on Linux, on Windows, on Mac. Then they all came together and then he would deploy the, he would do database migration changes. He mm-hmm. would deploy the Docker image. He would deploy the web That's... API front end. He would then deploy the apps like in a row. And then if yeah. that all succeeded, then he could upload them to like the app store and he would then swap the containers and things like this. And I was like, yeah, that is what I want, right? I was like, this is what <laughs> I want to have, even though I don't have a website for the Xamarin Live Player. Yeah. I want the concept of all this. And then people say, well, why don't I use Mobile Center? I use Bitrise. And I say, well, the thing is, Visual Studio Team Services gives me the power because you and I were talking earlier about tasks and PowerShell scripts and Bash scripts and shell scripts and all this stuff. And you can just run those, right? Because you're on the machine, you can run whatever you want. And the nice thing here is that I have full control. So I like to have the gates. The downside is that you're managing the machines and you're managing this complex workload that's a little bit fragile. But at the same time, it's a little bit nice. Yeah. um, Boy, so let's go back to the UI for a minute. So I'll I'll start with, I've tried team services from time to time because I think Microsoft almost requires you to get an account now whenever you start Visual Studio or something or else I felt very obligated. Anyway, I ended up with a team service something and I was bewildered by the UI. And um, I think, honestly, it was because I just didn't know uh, the nomenclature, you know, continuous integration, continuous deployment. And I didn't know these words like gates and phases. You know, I just wanted to build my app. So I found it very confusing. How are you finding the learning curve given all that? How long? I mean, you're lucky you got to shadow Donovan mm-hmm. for <laughs> two weeks. So you got a crash course. Um, but h- how's the learning curve been since then? I think that 
So there's still been a learning curve because even though I saw Donovan do it, I still was learning quite a bit. And just like BitRise has the idea of steps that you're taking to build your app, also mobile or um, Visual Studio Team Services has that. And things are in a little bit of a different place, but the, the idea here is you have build, you have build and release, and you have build and release, okay? And they've come really far. They have this, this concept of um, a secure file store, so you can upload all of your publishing profiles, all your key stores, everything in one place, and any of your apps or whatever can use them. So I would say the hardest part is that Visual Studio Team Services has the concept of tasks, but there's not quite as many mobile mm friendly tasks. It's very Windowsy. But <laughs> right. but yeah. Frank, let me but, but okay. <laughs> let me tell you, they have some really nice new ones that made it really easy. For instance, they have a install temporarily the certificate for iOS and the provisioning okay. profile. So okay. they have gotten that one because that one's pretty necessary if you want to do any kind of deployment on iOS. It's mm-hmm. kind of critical to get this key distribution happening. Yeah, and before what you would do is you would like tell your build, here are my keys, and I would have to like put them in my source code. No, now you just say, mm-hmm. install this, and when it's done, it'll undo it. Now you can point VSTS at VSTS code, Bitbucket code, GitHub code, Git code, or whatever. And I would mm-hmm. say, you know, I just saw what we did, right? So I install, here's my build scripts. I install the provisioning profiles. I do a submodule update recursive force, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, I bump my Android version numbers, my iOS version numbers. I modify our scripts. I is then, this, uh, I'm sorry, is this all in one big script or are these multiple tasks? Each one of these created? is a task. Each one of these okay. is a task. Yep. Got it. Yep. I then restore NuGet packages mm-hmm. on four different solutions. Because <laughs> that's <laughs> how we roll. That's how we roll. <laughs> I build my Android app, sign my Android app. I then copy my Android files, whichever ones I want, to my artifact folder. Build iOS, copy iOS files, publish them, right? That's it. And then I do the same for our app store. It's really not that complicated. I, I'm really blown yeah, away. So let me ask a quick question. Uh, can you create a public page for these artifacts? So let's say I want to do like a beta or something like that, or I just have a secret group of friends that I want <laughs> to have access to my apps. So can I do that? So here's what happens is, that's a great question. Now, now we're getting into the continuous delivery. kind of, yeah, delivery, yep. sorry. Yep. Yes. So this is where the, the question came in is, well, you know, there's there was Hockey App and Test Cloud and things have migrated into Mobile Center. And with Mobile Center, there is a distribute and there's a testing group in it. And then there's still Hockey App. So there's a few things that you can do, Frank, is... Literally, the first thing that we do is I say, every time I finish this build, distribute them into Hockey App. But you would just say distribute them into Mobile Center, and you would have your group. Now, the cool thing is that Mobile Center has a public group. So you can say, any of your friends, register for my Mm -hmm. app. It'll get distributed automatically. You know what I mean? Trying to minimize my number of services, but okay, that's good that I can at least do that. But does VSTS have anything integrated where I can just host the file on there? little cloud servers that I'm, I guess, paying for somehow. (laughs) So whenever you drop it, it does upload it somewhere and it'll give you a URL to it. I think you could download it. But what I did, because I'm silly, is we also have to have our build somewhere. So I actually just created a blob storage account on Azure and I just upload the files there. (laughs) So that works. 
Well, you know, I think we're in the web 3.0 world, like every service only does a little bit of things. So you got to, you know, shuttle this data all around. So congrats. That's cool. I actually kind of like it. I mean, it's a Mm -hmm. very scalable architecture, (laughs) but it's too bad that you had to go that far to do that. (laughs) Well, the nice thing is like, yeah, I was like, I got to put it, I got to put the file somewhere. So like just blob storage and do it. Well, I think of I think of Visual Studio Team Services as the orchestrator that integrates into everything. Like it, it still does yeah. my Slack messages. It integrates mm-hmm. into GitHub. It actually does all the hooks. It does everything. And what it's actually doing is the build, the test, and the distribute to whatever, wherever you want it to go, right? And I think that's the idea. Is that you want it to go to Azure? There's an Azure step. You want it to go to Hockey App? There's a Hockey App step. And it just goes. So um, how do how does one go about writing new tasks and new, um, uh, I keep saying deployment, but it's delivery targets. Mm-hmm. Are they kind of one in the same thing? Or, I mean, what are my options? Yeah, so the cool thing is you can run a, a task in any step, whether it's during build or release. So a good example is maybe okay. you need to re-sign your IPA file, right? Mm-hmm. You can just say re-sign it and then deploy it to test flight for instance. It, uh, uh, but in particular, so this is a script that I can execute. I think we were talking before, you said they have PowerShell support, they have mm-hmm. some other stuff. What else so, do they have? So a bunch of these things are built in. So those just exist. But let's say something doesn't right. exist. Let's say right. something doesn't yeah. exist. And Frank is like, I'm running this X, you know, locally. hitting my own server, you know, doing mm-hmm. something crazy. Yeah. So you can build so there's a few things, okay, to begin with. You don't even have to create your own task. You don't have to create your own task. There is a task to run PowerShell scripts, to run shell scripts, to run command line scripts, everything. So you you don't have to create your own. Now, I'm weird because I don't like to copy shell scripts all over the place. So I want to create reusable tasks, okay, which when you add the task, it is essentially importing the shell script or PowerShell script into your app, into your your build script. Okay. So when you say reusable, do you mean uh, within yourself or do they have some kind of public community library or store or something where people can share these things? Yes, you can make them public or private. Oh, okay. But they are up on the cloud then. Yeah, they have a Visual Studio marketplace. And this is where Visual Studio, Team Services, and Code things live vs code i feel like i've been missing out like on a whole section of microsoft that i've just willfully ignored and now i'm realizing you're like oh yes there's an entire marketplace where people exchange dollar bills for (laughs) you know these services Mm -hmm. oh you're blowing my mind that part at at least has blown my mind (laughs) yeah so you can go in there and there's all sorts of things right you can I can just type in like Google and I'll see hockey app and Google play. Or if I type in or there's code push, there's, um, you know, react native build scripts, Cordova build scripts, there's GitHub integration, yeah. there's different testing frameworks. You know, there's all sorts of different stuff in there, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. A bunch of stuff is free, but there's other stuff too that you wouldn't think about. For instance, there's like this, um, piece of software it's called white source. I'm pretty sure that will essentially add a task that will, like look at all of your NuGet packages or look at any of your dependencies and say, hey, this is out of date. You need to update that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. So if you're Equifax, where you don't update your software ever, you could have added (laughs) to this thing. Right. Or anyone. We None of us update our software. Are you kidding me? Unless you have a dedicated IT department. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So things like that, uh, right? Other things than just build. Yeah. What are, what are, I I don't know if you know, but what are most of these things built in? uh, Do they write these in C sharp or are these just a bunch of PowerShell scripts? Like how do, how do the pros write tasks? 
It's a good question. So I've been on this journey to take my shell scripts and try to turn them into tasks. And then there's a downfall that shell scripts will only work on Mac mm-hmm. and Linux. Or Linux, yeah. Yep. But um, Or Windows, technically, if you have the... I don't know how you do it, but Magic. Yeah, right? they have, have the... Uh, I haven't done it myself. Well... Okay, let's rewind. Windows Forever has always had the Unix subsystem, but they recently made it better where they call it like Linux on Windows or something mm-hmm. like that, where they made it super easy to install distributions. Yeah. And so I think every Windows developer owes it to the all their Linux and Mac friends to install that for us. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> so I think that almost all of these, like I've been going through the tasks this morning and trying to build my own. And I said, hey, let me just execute this bash script and like, I'll be happy. And then they're like, no. And Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. But what I've heard is that they recommend using either JavaScript and TypeScript for one Mm. or using PowerShell or using Cake, I hear, too. You can just install Cake and then write everything in C Sharp and that will work, too. Okay, Uh, that's better because the first Mm -hmm. two options I wasn't in love with. I don't know PowerShell, so I would do terrible at that. Uh, I do know Node. I can actually handle Node, um, but... It wouldn't be my first choice. But then Cake, yeah, everyone seems to be using Cake these days. I have to yeah. I have to learn about that one. <laughs> yeah, the nice thing is that your those are cross-platform because there's a PowerShell that runs on Mac. There's obviously TypeScript and JavaScript run on Mac. And Cake runs everywhere, too. So I think that's what they were going for, where they're like, hey, Bash, it's not really going to work <laughs> everywhere. But they still should let me do it because there's a... The funny thing is the Bash task that's open source source is written in typescript oh so strange yeah <laughs> right it's kind of crazy <laughs> well it's just showing out yeah in a very it must be sandboxed and lots of safeties and things like that yeah okay uh so what are you doing which one have you chosen to use which technology so i reached out to the twitter like i always do and i said <laughs> okay i said opinion poll Opinion poll. Well, no, I said, I said first, why doesn't this work? And then I found a GitHub link that someone else was complaining a year ago. And they're like, they're like, we thought about adding that. And then we said, no. Um, Oh, okay. So it's just some out of date documentation. I think so. And then an amazing person, I'm going to find the Twitter account here while we're live. An amazing, amazing individual (laughs) named Andrew Hoffling. He said, hey, I've created something similar to what you wanted to do, which was run a script, but his is a a PowerShell script um, using this, using PowerShell core. Mm -hmm. Here's a sample. And I said, I don't know PowerShell. And I said, I added you onto my GitHub (laughs) repo. Can you just go handle that for me? Oh, no. (laughs) And he was super nice. And he rewrote one of my scripts. um, Oh, my God. You got free labor. Wow. He's a very, very generous person. You got lucky. Yeah. The nice thing is that my 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 shell scripts are very simplistic, right? They're like changing a variable, you know, so the PowerShell looked very manageable, by the way. So that's probably what I'm going to go with, because I would rather write PowerShell scripts than TypeScript JavaScript, because that's stupid. Yeah. Um, My only problem with PowerShell is the fact that I don't know it. And the names are pretty verbose. And I think that's just the problem. Like, I know the C-sharp library. I even know the Node library pretty decently. Mm-hmm. I know zero of the PowerShell library. I basically have to learn every word. I think How do you my, copy a file? <laughs> yeah, I think that's my problem is I know very little about Shell. Like, I just don't know it very well. I, know, I don't know very much about PowerShell. I don't know very much about Cake because I just asked John Dick how to do all this. Like I can manage, but I'm not going to write the best task. And I don't know Node and JavaScript all that well. I know C Sharp mm. very well, right? So yeah. what I would love to do is run yeah. 
like an executable. <laughs> yeah, why don't they let us do that? I don't Jeepers, know, maybe. People. That'd be Come on, Microsoft, cool. yeah. maybe you should use your own product. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of what I would like to do, and I don't know if that's going to be yeah. possible, but for now I'm going to do PowerShell and just see how that goes. Uh, one would think in the future they'll add it, but I don't know how long it's been not added. Yeah, the future. Um, probably, given those choices, I probably would have used Node, so that's kind of funny. I'm so I'm so reluctant to learn PowerShell. <laughs> it's not too bad. It's not bad. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. it's not bad. <laughs> yeah. So I figured I, do I would... Like, Go ahead. Oh, actually, let me uh, interject. I know that PowerShell's, one of its greatest features is its uh, link to .NET assemblies, and it, it runs .NET. And so I was just thinking, you could actually probably write your whole thing in .NET and just have a PowerShell script that just calls your one function to oh, kick probably, it off. Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty yeah. good. Little hack. I guess that would, <laughs> that would work as long as you had Mono installed on your Linux or... No, no, PowerShell needs .NET. It's built on .NET. Oh. So because oh, so it's, it's running .NET there. Core. It's already there, buddy. So any assembly, any .NET standard assembly you give it, it'll just eat up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the funny thing. So I'll kind of recap to what this means. So there was actually two Andrews that wrote in, and I think both are listeners of the show. So Andrew Hoffling, who's the one that actually helped me, he did say that he loves the power of VSTS, um, but I've been recommending teams to use Mobile Center for builds. He's like, what do you use? And I think really it's a combination of it. I think of them as products that I'm going to use to deliver value. So if I have a very simplistic application, I'm talking a application that has one solution. Maybe I need to run a tiny shell script before and after, and I'm okay with how Mobile Center handles my builds. Use Mobile Center for your builds. Else, use Mobile Center for the unit te- or the UI testing, the distribution, yeah. the analytics, all the other stuff. Like use all that stuff because guess what? VSTS doesn't do that, right? You're kind of combining the worlds and there's a task that says upload this build to Mobile Center, right? So it, it's handled for you yeah. as part of your, it's the power, right? Um, though which is there. It is, it is actually making me kind of sad though because now that you have these uh, gates and phases in my head, mm-hmm. <laughs> I am kind of like wishing that every app did actually have that. I would love for some things to be automatic and some things manual to just be mm-hmm. able to walk in and shoot off a build. So that did now you that you my, said did it, you see, <laughs> did you see my photo? I just gave you a link to my Twitter. I'm, I'm make sure you look to at open this. it. How complicated is it going to be? No, look, you're going to be blown away. Look at this photo. Mm-hmm. It's got boxes. This is good podcasting looking mm-hmm. at an image. But what do we have here? We have artifacts and it's a bunch of mobile apps and we have environments. We have development, internal QA, public app stores and ooh, a secret one. So that's cool. So these are all deployment targets, development, QA, and public. Yep. Yep. And then Very see, nice. And see how they're all linked together on top? Mm-hmm. Via a so line? this is just like um, you can build a data flow of your app <laughs> mm-hmm. going through different filters and ending up in different locations. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. Yep. I kind of want this. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of... So You're that's selling the thing me, is, sir. <laughs> it's a little bit of a learning curve, right? But I think that... Yeah. You watch some videos. A lot of it does it for yourself. Like you can go into VSTS and say, give me a new iOS build. Boom. But I will say you got to go then, of course, do the install the agent on your Mac. But I think you'll be thankful for doing that because I was also like you. And I'm pretty sure that if we go back to episode 
whatever, I said, I never want to manage my own machines. A year mm-hmm. later, I want to manage all my machines. Oh, I don't know if I'm there. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna stay away from it just because I know my levels of laziness. But man, I want these pipelines and gates. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be a real debate. Uh, you should talk to someone at Microsoft if you know anyone at the company and maybe uh, get them to start putting up some Mac workers. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, one day. But um, yeah, we'll see. So anyways, that's kind of my I don't know. That's kind of my overall like I'm, I felt really good about it. So like when we we decided yeah. to hop on the podcast today, I was like, I'm feeling really good about DevOps again. And only because like it was so simplistic, like you told me. So here's a good here's a good analogy. So we have this thing where I need to turn on and off certain flags. And I was a did some shortcuts. And I said, if not. So I did some conditional compilation. I said, if not debug execute this code aka if you're in release mm-hmm. run this code and frank said yeah. no no <laughs> mm-hmm. do you want to explain no, why the problem yeah the problem there is um if you trigger a lot of features on your debug and release tags then you run into these problems of the release version of your app becomes very different from your debug version mm-hmm. and so i prefer feature flags for turning features on and off that way um if I know, you know, if something crashes out in the wild, I can run a debug version of it and not worry about the app changing significantly between those two versions. So keep debug for debug. Don't make it a trigger on features. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I did is I said, okay, fine. So what I did is I um, actually turned those into additional conditional compilation flag. And at build time, I insert that build flag into the CS projects. So so I was half doing this just to give you a hard time. No, I would never do that. But it was, I didn't, I, I, I hope I made the point where I wasn't like begging you to do it. I was just like, I really prefer not to do it this way. So it's awesome that actually you were able to find a solution to it that you're happy with, happy enough to actually implement. <laughs> I was very happy with it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I think that if we, when I, when I start to see the, uh, the whole thing come together, like when I saw all of the source code in VSTS and then I saw people working on bugs and items, what's really cool and it's a pretty mind boggling demo, I will tell you, is Donovan has like a work item, like a bug that he wants to fix. So he goes into the bug. I'm just going to set this up and then kind of blow your mind, Frank. So imagine <laughs> okay. that you have an issue, and but it's in VSTS and your source code's in VSTS because it's unlimited pre- free repos. Um, mm-hmm straight advertisement not being paid by the way by microsoft <laughs> and any i mean i literally get paid by microsoft every single week yeah. but not sponsored but not just for saying this <laughs> not for, yeah exactly so you have a bug and then you click on the bug and you say new branch yeah. okay that's fair and then, one automation step but yeah now here's what's interesting about it is once you have associated that work item with that branch when you commit code to that branch, it will automatically be associated with that work item. When you send a pull request down and close it, it then closes the work item for you automatically. And then when you go into release management and you look at all of the the release that you have, it'll show you all the work items and then link back to the branches and everything. Like the traceability there mm-hmm. is kind of mind boggling. Yeah. Okay, so these are steps I think we all actually take already manually on GitHub. Mm-hmm. We create, yeah, and then we can take commits by putting in, you know, the the 
pound and then your issue mm-hmm. number. And so we do all these manual associations. So what you're saying is they've taken all that misery of remembering numbers and duplicating all that stuff and just simplified the UI. I'm uh-huh. always in favor of simplifying the UI. So pretty nice. Yeah, this Microsoft company, they're onto something here. <laughs> Yeah, I still don't like the theme, though. There's way too much white space in this image you showed me. There is a lot of white space. That's true. Yeah. Keep working on the design, Microsoft. You'll get it one day. (laughs) Yeah. I think what people need to realize is that like we're like I'm just talking about using all Microsoft products to build iOS and Android applications, which I think is kind of cool, right, (laughs) too. So, um. yeah, that's why you're straddled with that Mac that you have to Mm -hmm. keep alive now. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Maybe one day. So yeah. we'll have to follow up in three months to see um, if like that computer's even alive mm-hmm. or if you just forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. You, you, yeah. I, th- I, I will say on the on the actual build machine and like being happy with it, I think I'm actually okay with it because I'm only using it for iOS and Android, which means that I just go into Visual Studio for Mac and say update, right? Like that's pretty easy. Yeah. That is, that is. It's only when you have to update Xcode and then a big Android or something like that. But yeah, it should. And if you stay unstable, what, it's only three, four times a year, something like that. It's not even that often. I yeah. think if you had a bunch of machines, I think the complicated part that you get into is like, okay, well now am I going to have to manage my Linux machine, my PC and my Mac, and then have different, mm-hmm. all these tools. And that's where it becomes a problem. That's where you need the hosted ones, I think, just to be like, build that ASP.NET core app. I don't even care, right? I hope. Frank's gone. Frank's, he's like, okay, sounds good. Did we talk okay, enough about DevOps? Good. Are we done with DevOps? Are you, are you over it you know, now? I, I was worried in the beginning if I'd be completely bored by this episode. <laughs> I wasn't sure what I had to contribute to it, but I'm actually happy that I actually did learn something through all this. So thank Yay. you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see if I can add some complexity. Oh, we'll see. We'll Check see. back with me in three months. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Merge Conflict. You can find us everywhere on the internet at mergeconflict.fm, at mergeconflict.fm on Twitter. You can, of course, subscribe on all of your favorite podcast applications, Apple Podcasts, um, Pocket Casts, Google Play, <laughs> Last FM, all of them. All your favorite casts. Yeah, do it. Um, you can find us on the internet. I don't know. Anything else you want to add, Frank? No. Uh, oh, my <laughs> God. Thanks for listening to an episode on DevOps. <laughs> That's right. DevOps, go off, go DevOps. It stands for developer operations. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I'm, I'm learning. I keep there saying deployment too. So you sure it's not delivery operations? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> not yet, at least. Until they change the definition. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Until next week, this has been Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>